This morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew 25. The main portion of our text this morning is going to be Matthew 25, 14 through 46. I will be referring to Matthew 24 and scriptures found in 24 uh, by way of introduction. In Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus is teaching his disciples on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives, remember, is where Jesus went and looked out over Jerusalem and he wept because of their unbelief, because they did not want to come to him. He wanted to be their God and their shepherd and their provider and their comforter. And he wept because they did not. The Mount of Olives is also where Jesus ascended as the disciples watched him ascend into heaven. The Mount of Olives is also where Jesus is coming back at his second coming. And Jesus is just a couple of days away from being arrested and put on the cross. We're really chronologically in the same uh, week, the same time frame as Eric is in Mark chapter 12. And Jesus is teaching about the things to come, the things of the kingdom of heaven. And he's also answering a question that his disciples had asked him. Look at chapter 24 and verse 3. The disciples said, Tell us then when these things will be. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? They wanted to know. They wanted to find out. They wanted the inside information. Don't we all kind of want to know when Jesus is coming back? I'd submit to you this morning that I know exactly when he's coming back. Look at verse 44 of chapter 24. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. It's exactly when Jesus is coming back. Jesus speaking of that day that he would return. Look at verse 36 of chapter 24. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. He says no one knows that day of the hour, my, my Father only. A thousand years one day, would it matter? I believe that throughout the generations, the Lord has put it on the hearts of men to be looking, to be watching, and to be ready for him at any moment. Oh, sure, there are prophecies and there are things that we can look at. But if we knew he knows our sinful flesh, And we'd probably go, well, I can get right about a week out and be okay. Right? He says, no one knows the day or the hour. But he did give them signs to look for. Look at verse 32. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Surely I say to you, this generation 
will by no means pass away till these things take place. This generation that sees these things at this time will not pass away. Now, what are these things? Earlier in chapter 24, Jesus described some of these things. I'm going to summarize them. Jesus said there will be false Christs and false teachers and false prophets. We have certainly seen this. We have certainly seen that people add and take away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, that people add and take away and leave things out of your Bible. False teacher, false prophet. We have seen it since the first generation Christians. We, we see it today. He said, we will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Nations and kingdoms will be at war. In the last 100 years, we've had 85 wars that have resulted in 1 million deaths or less. Some just a few, some close to a million. In the last 100 years, we have seen 11 major wars where the casualties have risen over a million each war. Jesus says there will be famines and disease, earthquakes in various places. We've seen it in the last 100 years. 40 major famines recorded. Disease, influenza, SARS, HIV, malaria, tuberculosis, measles actually in that time. We see another outbreak currently in California. Earthquakes, we've had... 300, and you can go on the U.S. Geological Survey site. It's a fascinating site. And you can, you can filter out. And, and if you would go there, like I did yesterday, at about 10 o'clock in the morning, you'd see that in the last 30 days, we have had 377 earthquakes of a magnitude 4.5 or greater throughout the world. Last night, there was a 7.9, thankfully, under the ocean in Papua New Guinea. Had that been on land, it would have been quite devastating. Jesus said that Christians would be arrested and imprisoned and tortured and killed because of their faith for his namesake. Gordon Conwell's Center for Study of Global Christianity estimates, estimates, estimates that 90,000 Christian martyrs have lost their lives for Jesus in the last year. Approaching a million, 900,000 in the last 10 years or so. Of course, we don't see that in America so much. We've seen the, the headlines in the Middle East. And a lot of those countries are in the Middle East, the Far East, Africa. And so we don't get that news every day. But it's happening. He said lawlessness would abound and increase and, and men's hearts would grow cold. In the last 30 years, the Bureau, U.S. Bureau of Justice Statistics, I've always gotten that word wrong, records the number of people in jail or in prison rising from 500,000 30 years ago on a year-in, year-out basis to 2 million currently in our jails and prisons. And that number doesn't touch the number that are on probation. The gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, would go out into all the world as a witness. Your Bible now, the whole Bible, is translated into 544 languages. Portions of your Bible 
are translated into 2,032 languages. Friday, if you were watching the inauguration, you saw Franklin Graham come to the podium and he read 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's the passage of Scripture he read from. It details the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll read it. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all the world was watching. Pastor Kent said that he was in a coffee shop. He's in Uganda. And the Ugandans were watching. They were interested in what's happening in America. Through technology, the gospel of Jesus Christ is going out like never before, like never before. Jesus told his disciples, when you see these things, it is close. Now, some of these things have been going on since the first century church. So if they were close, how close are we to the return of Jesus Christ? How close are we? After telling the disciples, the signs to look for, he tells them a series of parables. Remember, a parable is a short story with a, with a, uh, or a simple story with a more profound uh, truth attached to it or lesson attached to it. The lesson of each of these parables that he told was watch and be ready. Always be watching for the signs of my coming. Always be ready should the Lord come back even this day even this day. In one of the parables, he tells of an evil servant that was left in charge of his master's house. Look at verse 48 of chapter 24. He says this at the end of that parable. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and to drink with the drunkards, The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Are our hearts ready for the coming of Jesus Christ? This wicked servant said, oh, he's delayed. He's delayed. It's been 2,000 years. It could be another 1,000 years. Should it matter? How am I supposed to be living before Jesus Christ today? Because the fact of the matter is, whether Jesus comes back to us any day or any moment, we could go see him and account. In the parable of the ten virgins in uh, 25, verse 1 through 13, he tells of these ten bridesmaids, five wise and five foolish They were all supposed to be ready for the bridegroom when the bridegroom showed up so that they could go to the wedding feast. And five of them had oil ready for that trip, and five of them did not. And the message is, look at verse 13 of 25. 
Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man is coming. Watch and be ready. So what does that look like? As often as I can throughout the day, should I walk outside with my Bible, read a little bit, pray a little bit, look up a little bit, pray a little bit. Oh, Lord, I want to be ready. Look up a little bit. I suppose if you were in Jerusalem and you lived on the Mount of Olives, that might be. No. In the rest of chapter 25, where we're going to spend our time, Jesus tells one more parable. And then he teaches about an event, a judgment at his second coming. And I believe that in these two sections of Scripture, it tells us what watching and being ready looks like. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your love and for your grace and for your mercy and for your word. And as we study it, Lord, would you be glorified? Would you help us to understand it? Lord, would you help us to understand the importance of watching and being ready? Lord, in part of that, we're, we're thankful we live in a nation where we can gather and we can read your word and study it this morning. Lord, give us your Holy Spirit and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 14 of chapter 25 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. Remember, a parable tells of greater truths or lessons in this simple story. And so what we're going to see and what I'm going to pick out and point out are seven kingdom truths, seven kingdom lessons from this parable. Now, you might read through it and find ten. That's okay. I only have time for seven this morning. I hope that we are interested in the kingdom of heaven and what God is doing and what he wants to do through us, through our lives, through this church, through our community, through our families, that will make a difference in the kingdom of heaven. Do you live in the kingdom of heaven? Are you sold out to the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of this earth? Many times we're kept busy by the things of this kingdom here on earth. Jesus says, I I want you to be interested in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like, verse 14, is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Now, talent is a simple uh, measure of something. It's a weighted measure. Now, depending on what country you were in and and, uh, how they defined a talent, it could be anywhere from 50 pounds to 100 pounds. 50 pounds of gold, 100 pounds of gold. Whatever, Whatever your country said a talent was, this is what a talent is. This is what you get for a talent. It's much like the exchange rates we see today. We don't know if it was gold or if it was silver. But imagine a master giving 500 pounds of gold to you going on a long journey. It's a big responsibility. Even just 100 pounds of gold, 50 pounds of gold. A couple of kingdom truths from 14 and 15. 
The first kingdom truth that we see is God is king. Jesus is king. We are his servants. He is in charge. He is creator. I am the creation. We see today in our world many people that have the audacity to mock God, to mock the God of the Bible. We even see Christians who would not mock God, and yet they would utter the words, well, I'm mad at God. Now, I get it. If you said that, you've been hurt. Life has hurt you. But think about it. If he is king and I am servant, then really my confusion with Lord and with the Lord and God and, and what has happened in my life should really be turned into trust and faith if he is in charge. God is in charge. God is God and I am his servant. In Romans chapter 9 and verse 20, Paul says this, But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me this way? Is God truly in charge of your life? Or are you a believer until things get tough? You see, because if God is in charge and you are his servant, then your entire life, from the time you were born till the time he comes back or he takes you out of this world, belong to him. Your hopes, your dreams, your successes, your failures, your tragedies, all belong to him. He is God. We are his servants. Kingdom truth number one. Kingdom truth number two. God has given responsibility to everyone according to their ability. Every person that has been born, God has called them to live to up to the responsibility of at least their own life because he has given us life. He has given us breath. And beyond life and breath, he has given each of us something that we can do for the kingdom. Is your life, your abilities, do you recognize that those things have meaning to God? That he is your creator? Do you recognize that? Or do you take yourself to yourself? Thank you, Lord, for saving me. I will now take myself to myself. Lord, I'll have nothing to do with your salvation. I'll take myself to myself. You have something. You have life. You have breath. The master of these servants gave them according to their ability. Some of us have great and awesome abilities. Some of us have great and awesome things that go on in our lives. Some of us have small things that go on in our lives. It does not matter. It all comes from God and it's all been given to us and we all have a responsibility for it. And our first responsibility is to give our lives to him because until we give our lives to him, you see, then we cannot give anything back. Verse 16 says, Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them 
and made, and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Kingdom truth number three. God gives us the freedom to live as we choose. He has given us life and breath and talents and abilities, but he will not force you to use them for his kingdom. He will not force you to use your life for him. And yet he's asked you to. He gives you freedom. Will we use that freedom for faithfulness in what God has given us? Or will we, will we use it to walk in righteousness? Or will we use it to walk in wickedness? He's given us that choice. It's called free will. And at times it is a very scary thing. And yet God has allowed it. Think of the possibilities if we will follow him every moment of our life a good and awesome God that created this universe, that gave you gifts and talents, if you will follow him, think of the possibilities, think of the consequences if you do not. Kingdom truth number three. He allows us to choose what we will do with our life. Verse 19, after a long time, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Awesome kingdom truth number four. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. It's a kingdom truth. You can count on it. Assuredly as he ascended, is assured, assuredly that he will come back and he will be settling accounts. Is your account ready to be settled? See, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, then your account is ready. Oh, there may be some things that you've got to start filling in based on the rest of the word this morning. But you open your account when you believe on him by faith and he saves you from your sin. If that's not the case, then your accounts are not ready Your accounts are not ready this morning. Look at verse 20. So he, had, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Kingdom truth number five. Doing something with the resources God gives us is good and faithful. And I would submit to you that this morning it is equated with being ready and watching. 
Watching and being ready means we are about the kingdom business of our God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we must acknowledge him as God. We must receive his forgiveness in order that our life now can have meaning, that we will have something to give back to him. And once that has taken care of, then we have lots of things to give back to him. Think of the things that right now God has given you authority over. Now, some of us have lots of things. Some of us have a few things. All of us have something we have authority over. Your job. Your family. The ministry that you have in your church. The ministry that God keeps calling you to in your church. your friends, your family that are unsaved. These are all things, you see, that we can multiply and give back to God. And at that point, the child of God, you see, is not judged based on his works. Never, never, never. And yet there is great reward in working after salvation. Because my salvation is not of works. You could get that through reading through this passage, but it is not. It is not. If you are his servant, you are his servant because he died on the cross for your sin. You did nothing. You had nothing to do. I had nothing to do with the cross. That was all Jesus. Forgiveness is all him. And yet he's asked me to multiply. He's asked me to do something with my life. God has entrusted us with our families, our jobs, our church, our ministries, and with his, his message of salvation to give out. Well done because you did something with what I gave you and it has eternal value. And that starts with our lives. Kingdom truth number six. Faithfulness in this life reaps responsibility and greater joy in the kingdom of heaven. In Revelation 1, verse 5, John said this concerning Jesus, to him, Jesus, who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests or a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. The Bible speaks of believers ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. Now, I would submit to you, regardless of your responsibility here on earth, it can't compare to ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ in his kingdom and for eternity. Does that put in perspective the little sacrifices that he asks us to make here on our 80 years of existence? Yes, it does. I hope it does. Those little sacrifices that he asks us to make, though sometimes tough, we reap great reward when we make those with the kingdom in mind. That we would learn that that the quicker that we learn, my life should be a sacrifice to God because he sacrificed his life for me. My life should be a sacrifice to him. Look at verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I, know, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. 
And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would, I would have received back my own interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance but from him who does not have even that even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth kingdom truth number seven God will judge the wicked kingdom truth number seven God will judge the wicked now let's remember this is a parable and if you're like me, you've read through this and you've thought, man, that is harsh. Why doesn't this guy get a second chance or something? Remember that the servants here in this parable represent a life. And in life, because God is long-suffering and, and is not willing that any should perish, he gives second and third and fourth and fifth and however long his long-suffering mercy is, he will give for us to repent of our sin and turn to him. If someone finds themselves cast out from the presence of God, it was by their choice. God will have a testimony with everyone, those who receive him and those who reject him. If a person does not turn to God for forgiveness, does not repent of their sin, they will get the reward of a wicked life. The verse that I quoted is from 2 Peter Chapter 3 and verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God takes no pleasure in judging the wicked. And yet, he's given us that choice as to what we will do with our life. And he's taken the penalty for our sin. He's, at, he's, he's told us that, hey, what stands in the way of you and me is, is your sin. And, and, but I've done something about that. I died on the cross. I took that punishment. When, you, when the punishment for sin meant in your life death and separation from me and a spiritual death, I, 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 had the, I, I was thinking about that before I even put the earth on its foundation. I was thinking about you. And yet he gives us the freedom to reject that. A review of the kingdom truths from this parable. First kingdom truth, God is king, we are his servants. Second kingdom truth, God has given us responsibility according to our ability. Third, God gives men freedom to live as they choose. Fourth, Jesus is coming back. We will give an account for our lives. Kingdom 
Truth five, doing something with the resources God has given us, starting with our lives, is good and faithful. It means that we're watching and ready. Kingdom truth number six, faithfulness in this life reaps responsibility and greater joy in the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom truth seven, God will judge the wicked, the faithless. At this point, God switches in the Bible to verse 31. And Jesus now switches from a parable to an actual event that will take place at his second coming when he will judge the peoples and the nations of the world. And as we read through, we're going to see if this true account lines up with all of the lessons we learn from the parable about the kingdom. Look at verse 31. When the Son of Man, Jesus, comes in His glory, right away, kingdom truth number four, Jesus is coming back. And all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the, on the throne of His glory. Kingdom truth number one, Jesus is God. He is King. All the nations, verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another. As a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Once again, kingdom truth number one, we are his servants. He is king. We are his servants. Whether sheep, whether sheep or goat, you are his servant. Whether obedient servant or faithless, disobedient service, servant, you are his servant. Verse 33, and he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Kingdom truth number six, faithfulness in this life reaps responsibility and greater joy in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Kingdom truths 2 and 5, God gives us responsibility and resources. And when we use them to do loving things, he sees it and he calls it good and faithful. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer them, will answer and say to them, surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me watching being ready is doing things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ through his spirit through his power through the new life that he's given us for the least of these verse 41 then he also then then he will also say to those on his left hand depart from me you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Kingdom truth number seven, God will judge 
the wicked. Verse 42, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, then they also will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away to everlasting punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Some will choose not to serve God and make him Lord of their life. They will reject his love, and some will not. Kingdom truth number three, God allows us to choose. He does not force us to receive his love and forgiveness and to give our lives to him. And so this morning, would you choose God if you have not? Would you recognize that you have breath and you're living and that he is God and that you are not? And that he's calling to you and he's asking you for something? Would you recognize that the Bible declares that indeed as Jesus went to the cross for your sin, he recognized what was wrong in your life, sin. And he he recognized that he was separated from you because of sin. And God came in human flesh. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, allowed men to take him and beat him and crucify him so that he might fulfill the righteous requirement that said if you sin, you die, and that he did. But yet you have to choose that this morning for yourself. And if you do, you can be forgiven of your sin and then your life can have meaning and you can start to do things that that you have in your life and take your responsibilities and look at them totally different and say, Lord, now I'm doing this for you rather than me. If you will lose your life, you will find it, the Bible says. Will you choose God this morning? In a little bit, we're going to take communion. It'll be in the back, in the front. It's self-serve this morning. Remember, communion is a reminder as we take that bread of his body that was beaten for us, and as we take the cup, his blood that was shed for us for the remission of sins. And as you come forward and take it back to your seat this morning, Paul said in Corinthians that you do that as a testimony in remembering and a testimony that Jesus Christ, in fact, did that. Just taking communion, you are being a faithful witness and you're also remembering his body that was beaten for you and his blood that was shed for you. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, then I would submit to you that you know that and God has been calling you and you have been putting your hand up saying, no, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't quite do that. But you're here for some reason, and I don't believe in a coincidence. And if you'd like to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you'd like to give in to him today, receive forgiveness of sin, 
begin to live a life of meaning. Then on either sides, as we take communion and, and we're continuing to worship, you'll see folks coming up. Just work your way through them and come up to the either side and talk to one of our pastors or leaders and say, I want to receive Jesus Christ. I want to be forgiven. I want my life to matter to God, either when I die or when he comes back. Christian, this morning, remember, he loves you. You may have wasted some years. That's all right. God knows. God knows. What are you going to do from here on out? What are you going to do from here on out with your life? You're his. Jesus said, I know my sheep, and they hear my voice. So Christian, if you've heard his voice again after being saved, come and take communion and remember once again. Say, oh Lord, do something with my life. Do something with this church and this community. Do something in my family. Work through me. Forgive me when I have failed to use the resources you have given me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your love and for your graciousness. We thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, as awesome and glorious as it is, Lord, as, as serious the consequences there are. Lord, this morning we want to acknowledge you as God and Savior in our lives. Pray, Father, that you would bring healing this morning. That you would uplift. Lord, those that don't know you this morning, would you bring them forward to receive your your goodness and your grace and your mercy to be forgiven. Lord, help us as a church body to make a difference in this community. Lord, to multiply all that you've given us because you've given us so much. Lord, be glorified in our time of communion this morning. Be glorified in our worship. We just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.